What I love most about Mi Gente is our community and how important it is to take care of our own. Hey, it's Honey and Carolina. On our podcast, Life in Spanglish, we talk about how important being there for your loved ones is. Pero también sobre lo importante que es tener a alguien dispuesto a apoyarte cuando lo necesites, como lo hace State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tudor Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Hello, people of the internet. It is again the Custard TV podcast. Myself, Luke, runner of thecustardtv.com. Matt in the northern area. What are you eating? You eating? Uh, I'm not eating anything yet. Um, Cathedral City baked bites because we're doing this during what would be my lunchtime normally. So I'm a little bit. So I didn't know you had a routine on the Sunday. Yeah, well, it's gone midday, you know. (laughs) So what are? I don't even know what they are. They're like little crackers. Gonna put some cheese on them. No, because there's taste of cheese. Well, that's novel. <laughs> okay, I'm learning. They're like mini cheddars. Okay, I, I sort of know. I'm in the book. Oh, you've got now. a picture. <laughs> I love how we're starting all these podcasts with cheese based anecdotes. <laughs> and Helen's here as well from the Express and the Netflix podcast. Hello. Do you have a cheese based anecdote you could start us off with? I had a cheese sandwich for lunch yesterday, if that helps. It does help. It does help paint the picture that we're all on the same page. Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast? Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, Definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. Okay, so we are here uh, this week to discuss two Netflix shows. Well, three if you count The Good Place. Um, one, uh, Sky Comedy. Have you had any big showbiz experiences since we last talked? Um, I met David Attenborough. That's pretty cool. Oh, my God. Why yeah. did we start off with a cheese anecdote when this was on the way? <laughs> I feel like I've wasted time already. How did that come about, and what was it like to be in the presence of David Attenborough? Crikey. Um, So it was actually for Netflix's Our Planet, um, and a group of journalists, we all went to see Sir David, and um, I mean, as you can expect, we were all incredibly nervous beforehand, but as soon as we met him, and you just hear that voice, and you're like, oh, it's all right, it's fine, I feel completely Just, just, Just completely at ease now. Yeah, yeah, I felt like it was Sunday night, you know, I'd switched off, I was, you know, <laughs> getting ready for bed. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it was lovely, and he was incredible and so inspiring, and um, I feel genuinely very lucky to have done that. Oh, wow. See, last time we spoke, the podcast was the highlight of your life. Now I feel like it's been eclipsed by a, by a sir. I mean, we can I only d- offer cheese anecdotes and bakes and things. I do like cheese. <laughs> okay, that's all right. 
<laughs> we can go with that. Okay. Helen always hosts also the Netflix podcast where she talks exclusively about Netflix shows with colleagues. And we're in an interesting period now for the big streamer in as much as we're going to have Apple TV Plus soon, Disney Plus, Britbox is coming, which this TV nerd has already signed up for. What do you think, Helen, about how Netflix will fare once they sort of start losing Friends and all their sort of back catalogue and they're just left with their originals? Will it be as exciting as interesting for you? I think, you know, we can't forget how good their originals are. You know, they've had some incredible successes with them. And, you know, I genuinely think that their original shows are up there with the best of the best. However, they keep cancelling them, which isn't really the way to go. Yes. So I think, you know, they cancelled the OA quite recently, and I'm heartbroken by that still. And I just think, you know, if they want to compete, they really need to keep the strong shows going and not kind of throw a lot of plates in the air and see which ones they can catch. Because their USP used to be that they didn't cancel things and you could relax and think this is going to be on there forever and... The OA was a shock, even though I'm not a massive fan. I couldn't understand why something that they took such a risk on, they just leave open-ended with an octopus at the end. They had such a plan for it. You know, I spoke to the cast and um, Jason Isaacs, he said to me, you know, they have a five-season plan for it. Um, Britt Marlin has this wider idea that they can't wait to tell and now they're never going to get to tell it. And it's such a shame that, you know, they put, like you say, you know, they, they took a real risk with this show and then they've cancelled it. And it, it's just devastating for fans, I think. And, you know, it's not only that, you know, they've cancelled other stuff. They've lost shows, you know, they're losing friends. And I just think it's a worrying time for sure. And I just think for them to co- be able to compete, they need to just really focus on what they do well. Do you think, because you watch them every week, do you think their originals have anything in common? Because often they're sort of... They're sort of tarred with the brush that they'll just commission anything, throw anything at the wall and see what sticks. Do you think there is an idea of what the Netflix model is as you watch all these originals every week? Um, it's quite hard to say because I think what, what kind of links them, what links everything is that they do take risks. It's hard to imagine that, you know, they release Criminal one week and then The Politician the next. <laughs> but, um, you know, they both have their merits. They both probably have their negatives. But um, I think one thing that I will notice is that they are so political. And, you know, they're, they're really, really telling, like, a moral story. You have shows like Top Boy, um, When They See Us, which, you know, are amazing in their own right. And I think... Perhaps Netflix want to go more down that route. I don't know. The politician is obviously quite political as well. Maybe they're trying to be a little bit moral. I'm not sure. But as I say, you know, they need to just work out what they do want to do and quickly. Because <laughs> mm. we loved Unbelievable. It's one of my favourite shows of the year. It just really captivated me from the first off episode. But it sort of struck me that that didn't feel like a Netflix show because it's quite pared back. It's quite serious it's not loud and brushing in your face where often their originals can be like that and i i just thought unbelievable was great but the, i like you say criminal and the politician which we'll talk about very soon two very different shows but i can't imagine either of them maybe politician could be on a network but criminal feels slightly ris- risky and criminal feels like it could be on itv 
Maybe. Don't do it this nervous <laughs> quite yet. Let, let's talk about Criminal then. That's the, the show that was uh, started a couple of weeks ago now on Netflix. It's a novel idea from friend of the podcast, Jim Field Smith. We talked to him years ago when The Wrong Man's was on. Uh, he's directed all these and created the show with George McKay, another UK screenwriter. It is four, no, three different stories set in four different countries. You can watch them all on Netflix now under the monocle uh, Criminal UK, Criminal Spain, Criminal France. What is the fourth one? There is another one. Is it Germany? Is it? It's very... Yeah, I think it is Germany, yes. And um, so the thing that links them is that they are all using the same set and they are all police procedural, chatting to people. It's like 24 hours in police custody, written and things. The first episode stars David Tennant, who is accused of murdering his stepdaughter. It's like one of those long line of duty interview scenes as a show. I don't know what I felt about Criminal, apart from the fact that I couldn't see what the point of it was. And perhaps that's the most damning thing I can say. Helen, what were your thoughts? You've probably talked about this endlessly anyway. So what were your thoughts on just this David Tennant episode? Genuinely, it's one of my favourite shows of the year that I've watched. Um, so it might come wow, up a bit. Okay. Um, I just thought it was so incredibly brave and daring to not feel the need to go down the heavy action line of duty route. Obviously, there was a lot of comparisons to line of duty because it's just the interview scene, which mm. has kind of become synonymous with the BBC drama. However, I think throughout the episodes, all of them, especially the David Tennant one, it's so tense and it's so gripping. The dialogue is actually very, very good. And, you know, you get these actors who really just want to show their craft. David Tennant, you, know, you change your opinion of him throughout the, the whole entire thing. I think he plays someone called Dr. Edgar Fallon. You change your opinion of Edgar all the way through just by what David Tennant's eyes are doing. And for me, that's really, really powerful drama. And um, I found myself not really being able to tear myself away. I was actually trying to do something else at the same time, but I just stopped what I was doing and watched it. And I actually watched the rest of the UK episodes doing that. But I just I just loved it. I thought it was so unique and so refreshing to just see a drama that won't give you anything else and it makes you work for the story. I would agree with you for, for the most part, except that when they did the sort of clunky police bits outside of the interview room I was really taken out of it then all the stuff mm. with Catherine Kelly and Roshenda Sandalu was in line of duty recently I didn't think it needed that I thought the focus on David Tennant and what was going on in that room was far more interesting than when they came from behind the mirror if you like I didn't like any of that oh I'm bringing in the guy who was my boyfriend but he's all right he's come back now reformed none, none of that felt very true to life and I do think it struggles a tiny bit with me because I watch a lot of real life 24 hours in police custody and all these fantastic crime documentaries now which means that when we see this sort of thing depicted I can sort of say does it feel as authentic as those and I, I think for me as well the fact that the, the, stu the set they're using looks like sort of a capital FM radio studio rather than <laughs> a, police, a police station you know didn't feel very authentic. But when when the focus was on the, the sort of play-by-play -play with Lee Ingleby and David Tennant, I was invested and I was interested in it. 
Have you watched any of Germany, Spain or France yet? No, I haven't. Um, but I've heard they're quite similar. And um, one of the things that I have heard is that they um, kind of deal with very kind of country specific issues. For example, one of the French ones is uh, surrounding the Bataclan terrorist attack. Ooh, that does sound interesting. Yeah, I might give them a go because I'm not adverse to the old foreign drama. Matt, you compared this to being on ITV, so I'm thinking... Yeah, it did feel... No, I'm, that wasn't a criticism, but it did feel... It normally you know, is. <laughs> anti, a little bit sort of didn't feel Netflixy, you know, because of the sort of recognisable faces, like you said, Catherine Kelly's there, um, Lee Ingleby and Nicholas Pinnock. It's just a lot of people who were on, like, ITV mm. dramas, I suppose. And I think, because I watched um, some of the second episode, and I think the reason you're getting the behind-the-mirror stuff is because then those characters are doing the questioning in the next episode. Right, okay. So... So I think you're getting some context in those characters rather than just having them be, you know, in the interview room next, if that makes sense. So I think that's why they did that. Um, I enjoyed it, but I felt, as you say, it's like something we've seen before. It has, and I, I really enjoyed David Tennant, as, mm. as you say, Helen, because he, you know, you get the, the start where he's just all no comment and then he decides at the end to... Um, start talking, saying, oh, it's someone else has done it and... and that's partly where they catch him out, isn't it? Um, uh, it did remind me as well, and this is a bit of a, a, a deep dive, of uh, Suspects, the Channel 5 drama. I don't know if you remember that. I, never, I saw it, but it didn't... Because that, that was sort of um, semi-improvised, and it had that feel to an extent, I, I think, like this sort of rawness to it. There's, as you say, the sort of one set feeling very line of duty but at times because i was that compelled with the david tennant character I... if you're anything like me you're booked and busy from family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts yes like wrestling with freddie with me freddie prince jr with all the responsibilities we have it's always nice to have someone in your corner that's why state farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. I was thinking, this feels like the last episode of something, and I would have liked to have seen <laughs> the, the investigation as well. Like, I want to see the episode before yeah. the first yeah. episode. Yeah. Before the last episode. Okay, so I think, based on what Helen's saying, I'm going to watch the rest of the... Cause also, what we should say is they're, they're nice and, and short. They're, they're not these long, sort of drawn-out Netflix dramas. They're quite easy to watch and uh, really compelling. And David Tennant... About 45 minutes, aren't they? Yeah. And Hayley uh, Atwell is the, in the, is the next one. And uh, I have to say, Lee Ingleby, who is sort of this character actor who we know from a lot of things. He was just as good as David Tennant. Also also Line of Duty. <laughs> yes, funnily enough, yeah. Forgot that. Okay, so that's Criminal on Netflix. And now, just to change it up a bit, The Politician on Netflix, which is Ryan Murphy's first new show for the streaming giant. They gave him $300 million and said, come up with whatever you want. And they've come. he's come up with The Politician, second season already confirmed. Helen, do you want to walk us through the basics of this and then we'll say what we thought? Uh, quite hard to do that because it's quite complex. That's but, why uh, I handed it over to you, you see. 
<laughs> Thank you very much. Um, Pleasure. You follow Peyton Hobart, who's played by Ben Platt, um, and he uh, is a student in a high school, and he's very rich. <laughs> um, he has Gwyneth Paltrow as his stepmom. And he basically says that he's going to be the president of the United States. But obviously, before he can do that, he needs to get through school. Um, and he's basically worked out the exact formula to becoming a prime, a prime minister, a president. <laughs> he works out that he needs to be the president of his high school. So then he starts this massive campaign. And from there on in, it turns into a kind of semi-teen drama kind of house of cards battle for the top spot but also just an exploration of very very rich kids in america in typical ryan murphy style it's very colorful it's very creative it's very self-indulgent i might add and i think it is gonna divide viewers for sure i think it already has and it's only been there since friday i've seen a lot of conflicting views the thing for me for this is i i love pose which is created by the same people and it's one of the most humane shows on television that i wish more people were talking about and to think that this is created by those same people is quite something really because it's the complete antithesis of everything that i love about pose but i had a strange relationship with it where the dialogue was often ridiculous and grated on me and yet i found myself sort of unwittingly engaged with it and I wanted to continue and even now sitting here and I've seen three I've no idea why <laughs> I've no idea what that's really surprised me you know yeah I know it did me it has me because I've no idea what it is about it that I liked because on paper I shouldn't have liked it you know it's, it's a privileged world it's a world that I certainly can't relate to I know Helen's gone up in the world since we last spoke <laughs> but um <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's not it's not a world that I can since really relate to and some of the dialogue is really clunky and some of the characters feel completely out of this world but, but I am at the third one whether I'm going to continue I'm not in a rush to continue but it did somewhat interest me although I don't think it's anything new or particularly inventive there's something about it has a bizarre charm to it or it did to me uh, what were your thoughts then, Matt? You don't agree. You know, you're right. It's that heightened world and it just didn't really connect for me. And there seemed to be a sort of the bizarre sort of parody of the act going on in there as well. I don't know if you noticed yes, that. Yes, I noticed that. Yeah, I did. Um, and I don't know if this, you know, Ryan Murphy had come up with it. This character um, called Infinity Jackson, um, who is the um, student who Peyton decides to pick as his, um, his running mate, uh, who is um, presumably looks like she is going through treatment for cancer. Uh, we see her in a wheelchair at points. Jessica Lang plays her grandmother, who who's her main carer. And then the, the sort of big reveal at the end, after he reveals that she'll be his running mate, is someone tells him, you know, she's faking it. And I was just like, I, I watched this last week. <laughs> yeah. Um, but do you kind of get what I mean? It's, it's a weird show, but it's got... It kept me invested in a way. It and, has and... a very sort of feel to uh, about Glee to it. It's almost, I was going to say it's Glee without the singing, but then Peyton sings the Joni Mitchell song halfway through. <laughs> 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 Helen, I know you were somewhat obsessed at one point. I'm with you. I'm, I'm five episodes in, and I will say that I binged those five episodes. And um, I still don't really know where I'm at with it. I'm, I'm kind of enjoying it, 
kind of hating it, mm. kind of just waiting for someone to start killing someone, American horror star, <laughs> horror story star, because that's just what it feels like to me. Yeah, yeah, true. I don't know, I just, it's such a shame because, you know, the cast is, like, actually incredible. There's a lot of um, mm. Ryan Murphy familiars there. You know, you've got January Jones, obviously you've got Gwyneth Paltrow, Jessica Lang. Ben Platt is very, very good in the role. Bette Midler even shows up. And Martina Navratilova, who I never thought I would <laughs> be talking about today. Like, you know what I mean? It's got it's, this, it's, like, it's incredible... It's odd, isn't it? It's odd. I like, yeah. the, I like the design of it. It's very sort of um, precise, isn't it? Peyton is very much a focused character. And that's the opening credits, isn't it? You know, you see his bookshelf of all these these biographies that he's read, this sort of focus that he's got on becoming the president. There, there is bits of it I liked, but I did find it a bit of a slog, I have to say, this first mm. episode. I don't think it's got a flow. It's got moments of sort mm. of, you go, oh, OK, I get where this is going. But And this first episode, um, the, the most sympathetic character, without spoiling it, left halfway through. Well done, you didn't spoil that at all. No. Well, <laughs> <laughs> just just walked off screen perfectly fine. Um, <laughs> I left it ambiguous what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, it does feel a little bit like Ryan Murphy's gone, I've got to out Ryan Murphy myself. And it does feel a little bit like that, that he's just gone, I'm just going to throw everything at this. And they've already commissioned a second series with the idea of we will eventually see Ben Platt become... President, so that's an interesting idea. Is it like, like every season is he a different political race? So this is like right, student yeah. president, and that's I suppose why they've cast people who look a lot older than they should be yeah. in high school. But then again, I think that is a Ryan Murphy trope if you look back yeah. at um, Glee. The female characters were, were, especially the younger female characters. I struggled with Helen because they didn't seem very sympathetic or authentic. What about you? Yeah, Infinity was a good one. I found myself really, really drawn into her story because, you know, as you say, you don't quite know what the truth is about her. I would really, really liked Lucy Boynton as Astrid. I thought she was quite... I thought she was the funniest character, to be honest, because although it's a comedy, there's not a lot of humour in it. And I thought she was actually quite good and you get a bit of an exploration about her past later on. But, yeah, I see what you mean. You know, they, they are... They're all very caricature-ish. Yeah. yeah you, I don't think you're supposed to really relate to them, though. I think that's maybe the point. Yeah, prob- you're probably right. And I like the fact that in a Ryan Murphy show, no one's ever called Paul, Jeff or Gemma, aren't they? They're always called <laughs> Astrid and Painton and God, Infinity. Infinity. And beyond. Well, you know, it's just... that He goes all out and he's got a couple of upcoming Netflix shows and it's an interesting to see that we're in a period where Netflix aren't just buying shows no, they're buying the people who create good shows and saying, create stuff for us. Shonda Rhimes as well, is it, that they've snapped up? Yeah, they've done that with a few people. I have seen conflicting views. Some people have said it's a complete mess, but it's all the more enjoyable for it. And other people have said it's a complete mess and I can't watch it because of that. And I, I, I don't know what what connected with me and I don't mm. very rarely do I do I come on and I know a show is good bad or otherwise but this one the fact that I actually don't feel that compelled to go and watch four five six seven and eight straight away is probably telling because 
unbelievable. It's, it's in a different league in my mind to that completely. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's not something I should have liked, but I'm it, I'm nothing but it, but flexible, as you know, Matt. When we do <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> I'm a real enigma I don't know so that is all there on Netflix now 8 episodes of the first season of The Politician it's actually one that I think you've got to see for yourself and make your own mind up yeah because I honestly don't know how to advise on it but it's somewhat compelling and somewhat interesting and Ben Platt who I've not seen a lot of I thought he did a good job Gwyneth Paltrow on the other hand Dearie, I don't, I don't know. I didn't warm to her, but I don't warm to Gwyneth Paltrow. No, ben Platt, I think, has come from musical theatre, hasn't he? I mm, think that's. I believe so. Yeah. yeah. And so finally, we're racing through it. I thought we were going to be against the clock, and now I'm thinking Helen's got time for a three-course meal after this, and she fancies <laughs> it. Just go mad on cheese. We're going to talk about the new Sky original comedy uh, called Frayed which is a Merman production. That's Sharon Horgan's production company. They make Motherland and other such comedies. Matt, can you set this one up? So, yeah, this is a um, weird sort of Australian-British comedy drama series. Stars um, Sarah Kendall, who I'm not familiar with. Do do we know her from anything? The Skycore has not dropped. We're just silent because we don't know. <laughs> no, okay. Just say no then is the Okay, answer. no. I, I <laughs> like you. a good ambiguous silence. <laughs> um, who is um, Australian born but has lived in the UK for 20 so years. Married to a wealthy gentleman and has two children who attend private school. And then um, her husband dies uh, while with his mistress and then she finds out that he had racked up serious debts and they basically have to sell everything and she moves back to her hometown in Australia of uh, Newcastle where she sort of um, meets all her old sort of schoolmates, her family. Yeah. And it's about sort of having to shake off this demeanour of this sort of uptight london privileged wife and become a working class woman finding a job um well also she'd, li- have to she'd lied or... that she'd lied yes. they thought they were going to this palatial place in sydney and it ends up just sort of a backwater town in newcastle the kids don't know that they've got a grandma and they've got an uncle jimmy and all these things so it's also coming to terms with where you're from and, and yeah. the realities of it I want you both to know that nothing is going to change. But Dad's dead. Well, that has changed. There's no money left. My children and I have nowhere to go. Welcome to Australia. Hard enough for you? You said we were going to stay in Sydney. Newcastle is sort of like uh, the northern suburb of Sydney. What is going on? You're broke. I'll get a job tomorrow. Good. Seriously, tomorrow? Yeah, you'd type. Yes. Quickly and accurately. No. I don't belong here, Rufus. I don't belong in this house. I don't belong in this town. I don't belong in a tan miniskirt. Brand new Aussie comedy. Drop the stupid accent. Your brother's right. It's embarrassing. Helen, I, you probably were you going to watch this before I made it homework? No, I'd, I'd never actually heard of it. Um, and I was kind of intrigued by the premise. You know, I quite like that. We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, 
Our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase Mobile App is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. JP Morgan Chase Bank and a member of DIC. Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Ho, ho, ho! Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high quality window treatments with no showroom mock ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople. Saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Going back to your hometown, awkwardness, that kind of humor. I quite like that. Um, But I didn't like this in the slightest, I have to say. No. No, it, it, I think for for a start, it was too long. For, for yes. As one criticism of it, it was just too long. What particularly didn't you like? I just didn't find it funny. Um, obviously, you know, it's sold as this, like, comedy drama, and I expect there to be, you know, properly good laughs. We've seen it before with Ricky Gervais's comedy dramas. You get proper belly laughs from it. But, um, no, I didn't find it funny, and I just thought... Even, like, the more shocking jokes didn't really land too well. Obviously, there's that scene in the um, beginning where she discovers the circumstances of her husband's death, and they are quite um, extreme, shall I say. But um, it it just didn't really... You know, that should set up the drama, but then the drama mm-hmm. didn't live up to it. It just felt incredibly flat for me. I couldn't really get on board with um, Sarah Kendall's character, Sammy, I just thought she, I mean, it's probably the point that she's incredibly unlikable, but I just couldn't even see myself caring about her redemptive arc too much. I just didn't really care for her. The kids were quite annoying, I thought. Quite liked her mum. I can't remember her name, though, unfortunately. You know, I thought she was quite cool. Obviously, there's a bit of mystery there. But I just just didn't really get it. I didn't get it. I know what you mean, and often a sign that things are too long is they repeat a lot of the jokes. So there's this whole Leonard, oh, it's Lenny, mm. it's Lenny. What that, you know, you don't need and to the, say that. And the thing about the Thompson twins. The Thompson twins charge a very reliable... Reasonable rate. Yeah, all, like four or five times. I just, it's a shame really, because I thought there was some likability in the yeah. of the dynamic between it's a decent premise yeah but it just but it doesn't live up to it it took I think a that's... long time to get to australia as well they could mm-hmm. have skipped a ton of it and just gone straight to australia i found her performance really grating because i couldn't decide who she was being all the time it was i don't know i was very disappointed in it and and i didn't realize i'm just sorry i've just got the wikipedia up i didn't realize it was set in 1989 yeah, that's another bit right. that was weird. Because... It didn't feel like it was a, a period piece. I suppose the Thompson Twins thing should have given yeah, it but, away. But, but I was like, music... why have we got this 80s soundtrack? And I didn't realise it was set in 1989. Sorry, no, I think it's just her hair and her costumes. Um, like, it just didn't really, like, land with me. 
no one really had hair like that in the 80s come on and i mean like i know it's a drama but it just wasn't really that believable no it's strange i sort of like the brother sister dynamic and when i say that i mean her and her brother the whole choco scene was was good she's obviously going to start working for an old an old friend of hers and he was sort of pervy i really thought diane diane Morgan. um, morgan really took it out yeah, I was just going to say the exact same thing. That just felt, why is she here? Yeah, it's she like, you know, because you had Robert Webb and Carrie Godleyman, didn't you, in, in the original scenes in London. It felt like we need, like, a familiar sort of British comic presence, you know, all these sort of unknown faces. You know, we need someone. It's Sky. Let's let's get in um, Diane Morgan, who people like as, as Philomena Kunk. It felt, I'll tell you what it felt like to me almost. It felt like one of those... Um, comedy dramas that the BBC used to air on like a Sunday night um, where like it's someone someone coming back to their hometown and having to, you know, like a monarch of the Glen sort of thing. <laughs> you could see this almost starring like Alex Kingston or something like that. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean now. Yeah. I like the way you, you gave me the night it was on as well, just yeah. in case. I well, they watching. always used to be on Sunday nights around 8pm, didn't they? Before your bath. Before yeah. your bath, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know exactly what you mean. So yeah, we've not been overtly positive about any of the shows this week. Frayed is all there for you to watch if you've got Skybox sets. I, th- I think it's far too long though. I think cut it down to half an hour if it's supposed to be a sitcom comedy drama. Half an hour's fine for it. Criminal has some interesting ideas, and I've no idea why I quite enjoyed the politician. <laughs> Those are the takeaways. Helen, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, for the, and coming on uh, on your semi day off, um, uh, you can find Helen's Netflix podcast. Where can they find that if they want to catch up with all the Netflix stuff? That's on iTunes, Aircast, and Spotify. Oh, you're all over them. You're like a rash. And uh, <laughs> and your and your and your Twitter feed as well. Do you want to give that a quick plug? Yeah, at zero two underscore HD. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. You're listening to the Custard TV Podcast. The official podcast of thecustardtv.com. Helen may be gone, but Matt and I, with our empty lives, are still here. Yeah. We're going to talk now about some shows we're actually enjoying. Well, I I can't say that for Matt because I don't know his thoughts on one of them. But let's start with what is arguably the best show on television at the moment. We're doing Temple again. No, no, we're doing <laughs> Temple again. Put that to one side. I'll oh, talk okay. about the other HBO and Sky Atlantic succession. It's got the old Game of Thrones treatment in the UK, getting the 2am slot if you're desperate to see it, or 9pm on Monday night. It is the show about um, the Roy family, the sort of take on the Murdochs. We're now uh, three episodes away from the end of the season, and we did talk about it briefly not that long ago when we said I don't know who wouldn't like it. Every episode of this seems to top itself. I don't quite know how they do it. It's quite astonishing. I just adore this show and I wish more people... There are there are a, a group of successionites that I can talk to after each episode comes off uh, out online. But it's not got this sort of big appeal that a lot of the bigger HBO shows have. But it's an absolute gem and it... This week nearly broke me, actually. It was as mm-hmm. funny as it was disturbing and heartbreaking, and I thought it was brilliant. And I loved the trip in the little 
like services in the UK when they're trying to work out what to buy. It, I had a Scotch egg last time. It's just a joy, and to think it's mainly from UK writers and created by Jesse Armstrong of Fresh Meat and Peep Show. Let's talk about last week's, because last week's was the one where uh, Logan invites or tells Kendall that he's got to accompany him on a trip to sort of confront the boys' yeah. family. Well, they all go killed. to the UK, don't they? Because the thing is that they're trying to re- retain shareholders and they're going to the UK for two of the shareholders, one of which is the mother to Kendall Shiv and Roman, uh, played by Harriet Walter. While they're in the UK, a story comes out in the newspaper about the um, the lad who died in the last season, the last episode, um, that the parents are accusing Logan of sort of bullying him into his own death. So he goes to see the um, the parents and Kendall is, he asks him to join him um, and Kendall was implicit in that death. Oh, what I liked it, there's so much to like about it. A, the fact that Kendall feels tremendous guilt about what has happened to this person and is is really struggling to come to terms with it and has, has really changed him as a person. B, I just like the fact that this family live the complete opposite end of the spectrum to the Roy's, the sort of grey facade house mm. that he has to go into. And it, it just, it's one of the funniest shows on television, but it was also one of the deepest. Jeremy Strong, who I hadn't known previous to this, is just outstanding. I've never seen a performance like it, the way, he, the things he can do with his face. And he doesn't have many lines of dialogue, but they're really mm. sort of moving. The- I know we're always mentioning the acting and the writing, but the direction as well and the cinematography in Succession is just astounding. You know, they do a lot. A lot of the comic moments come from the sort of the lingering on the facial expressions, which is a, a trope of Jesse Armstrong's uh, work for, you know, especially in Peep Show. Uh, but here as well, you know, you, you follow these are silent scenes because you see Logan going to talk to the parents and, and Kendall sort of just wandering through the house sees these sort of pictures of, of this this boy who died, then just sort of lurks in the kitchen and this, you know, because he's still, a, well, he's a recovering drug addict who's still taking drugs. Um, so I don't know how well the recovery is going, but he's his, his performance is slightly different to that in the first series where he's sort of this manic energy to him. You know, this experience at the end of season one has changed him and Jeremy Strong portrays that awfully well if you look at the Kendall of the first episode and and compare him to now oh, you know he was just really cocksure whereas confident whereas Roman doesn't seem to have changed very much Shiv has almost gone like the other way um since Logan has said you know you're going to take over I thought I I mean I think the writing to this it very much feels like a Shakespeare play because mm. you've got the you know the family dynamic you know you know it, it equated most to King Lear, you know, um, trying to divide the kingdom between the children. But you've also got, which Shakespeare had, these sort of comic sort of interludes, these sort of comic characters, the buffoons here, who are Cousin Greg and Tom, for me, who are the sort of... (laughs) Fair scenes this week were... In the episode where he's sort of got these confidential documents where he's put sort of top secret on or something, and he said them in his dad that, you know, they're... He's trying to record him, isn't he, going, yeah. 
Yes, we are destroying these cool <laughs> <laughs> Yes, there it goes. There goes the things we are destroying up in flames. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very... <laughs> and you need that sort of comic interlude and things like that, don't you? Because you've got the corporate structure, the, the game playing here. You know, Holly Hunter's come on board as this sort of ruthless executive who's just lost her job and he's screwing shit and is almost sort of making a play for like a romantic play for logan isn't she she's trying to seduce him in a way it's all so blooming good and i can't and believe it. i'm guessing it's going to build up to the shareholders meeting is going to be the final episode because mm. that episode in series one where Lo- uh, where kendall was running late for that big meeting mm. that was always to overthrow him wasn't it and that was mm. sort of like you know roman sort of betrayed him almost didn't he he's the weaker one in a way um and yeah. i I'm a bit weirded out by the um, the stuff with Roman and, and Jerry. In yeah, <laughs> that feels that... that feels very Peep Show esque. That does. Yeah. But also the the thing with the thing where Roman was sort of hit by Logan was very interesting, and the the sort of way they dealt with that the awkward conversation in the back of a taxi when they did I make contact with with your face? I, I, it's not what I do. And Roman not really wanting to talk about it at all. It's it's a very interesting family dynamic that we don't see very often on TV. And I think Sarah Snook and Matthew McFadden are fantastic to, when they're together. Well, they're all fantastic. I don't think there's a weak link in there this isn't. No, there isn't. We can't praise it enough. You can catch up with it on Now TV and Sky Atlantic. There are three more to go and I will be absolutely bereft. When and I'm guessing there's a season three on the way. Yes, they've already announced season three. Good. Yeah. Monday nights on uh, Sky Atlantic or 2am on Sunday, on Monday morning if you want to watch it then. Um, Finally then, The Good Place is back for its final season. We're getting this, as usual, one day after uh, NBC broadcast it on Fridays on Netflix. This is the fourth and final season of the Mike Sher-created comedy that that I made in the old incarnation of the show. Gary and Matt watch all of and Matt's got, kind of kept up, but he's not a sort of big, good place fan as I am. And this series starts with Eleanor as the architect after the judge, played by Maya Rudolph, says that they can have one more experiment to prove that humans are generally good and that they will be allowed into the good place. And at the end of the last season, we saw Cheedy, uh, one of the original experimenters, get his memory wiped so that uh, he would have no knowledge of Simone, played by Kirby, Kirby Howell Baptiste, going in there. So the good place and the bad place working together in this first episode of Series 4 to find out whether the, they can make humans truly good. Well, they're not working it, together. Well, they can't, against, they, yeah. well yeah, they can kind competing. of... Competing. Competing, yeah, that's a better phrase. And I wish I'd said it. You know. <laughs> um, they're competing against each other to see which one of them is right. Yes, and and who will eventually if at all get the keys to the good place so we know this is the final series we know that they've got the end game in mind what did you think was it just a 20 minute episode yeah that was my first that was my first disappointment because normally it's because this is part one and normally they would release two like a 40 minute wouldn't they so i I don't understand maybe because it's the final season yeah as much out of it but it feels like we've only got sort of half the story really but yeah the they introduced the other characters who are going to be part of this experiment. You know, as you say, you had Simone and this magazine, this journalist who was very uh, critical of uh, Tahani 
uh, this episode introduces this sort of like douchebag character who's going to wind Eleanor up. And now Eleanor is pretending to be an architect alongside Michael. And the fourth character then originally is revealed to be this um, Norwegian woman who's just very bemused by the entire situation about everything, yeah just yeah um and the, there is a reveal at the end which i don't think we should spoil um that Very sort of well change that Very sort well of changes done, things and brings in the brilliant maya rudolph for a yeah. little bit i guess she's just started deadwood yeah and she needs a fix of timothy oliphant <laughs> and describes chidi as an absolute snack which is a line <laughs> i liked and also, you know, you've got Mindy in this episode, and and what's the name of the the male, the, the Janet's Derek. guy, Derek, who's who's very funny. You know, there are a lot of funny elements, but I just, I don't know. It's, I there's it bits of me I find a bit. Yeah, has it really? If you're on, it's sort of I I like, really like that first season, but I think it feels like a law of diminishing returns. There. That is um, your favourite phrase. Isn't mm, it? I love it when you say it. Yeah, it always annoys but, me when you say it because I know you didn't enjoy it. In season three, there were bits that I really enjoyed. You know, there was the Janet's episode. There was the episode with um, Michael McKean. There was the episode with Eleanor's mum. You know, there's. Yeah. I think the thing is, I really like Ted Danson and Christine Bell and their dynamic and things like that. But the other uh, and and Darcy Carden as Janet. But the other three characters, I really struggle with. For a bit, it seemed to be going around in circles. I do like the writing and the concept, and I'm intrigued to see how it ends. So I will be watching. But I just I think those other characters just don't work for me. Jason and Tahani in particular, and Chidi. And I don't buy into the Chidi Eleanor romance, which I think no, you need that to. I would that I would agree yeah. with. And you have to buy into that relationship to feel the pain of Eleanor. You know, now Chidi's had his memory wiped and doesn't know who she is, that she's got this longing for him. And I just don't, I don't think they had good chemistry, the two of them, to believe that. And that final, that's why that final episode really didn't work for me. Uh, no, but I, no, I'm going to keep watching. That relationship between Michael and Eleanor, I think, is, is the best thing that they've got going. And also, you know, the performances from, like, you know, the demons and things like that, the little... Uh, the Darcy Carden's performances as um, Bad Janet and things like that. And Did you like the elephant made it feel light? Yes. <laughs> this is Janet. If you want anything at all, Janet can bring it to you. Watch. Janet, can I have a baby elephant made of pure light? that tells you true secrets about the universe? Shirley Temple killed JFK. See? Anything you want from Janet? Can I have a peppermint? Sure. I'm gonna go over there now. Stonehenge was a sex thing. Um, <laughs> See, there are good lines yeah, in it, but I just—I really think, think it's the characters that let it down for me. I am glad that it's going out on its own terms. That it's not a ton of episodes. That it's going to get a like, proper but ending. Like Glow will be as well. Yeah, it's going to get a proper ending, which they've they've now shot and envisioned, and everyone that's seen it has said it's a good ending. I mean, we'll be the judges of that. Hence our job here, but. I think, you know, it, it probably will be well, a very... Surely Maya Rudolph will be the... No, she plays the children. And, and I have no idea where it's going to go. I can't say that no. this is predictable. That's the good thing about The Good Place, is you don't know where it's going to go. And sometimes that's to its detriment. Sometimes yeah. that's... You know, that first season, that was the big shock, and that was one of the best sort of, you know, cliffhanger reveals, whatever mm. you want to call it. 
that TV has produced over the last few years. Yeah, um, I would agree. I, I am going to continue watching it, but I'm not as big a. F- I haven't latched onto it in a way that you no, have. I, I can I can see that, and I appreciate. Why do you think you latched onto it as much as you did? Because because it keeps surprising me, and because mm. it keeps reinventing itself, and because I really like Kristen Bell, Ted Danson together, same mm. as you. It's a half hour. It's you didn't feel thing. like it was go. It went round in circles for a bit, and bits are weaker than others, and things like. You didn't oh. feel that. Not really, because yeah. it's, all, it's always heading somewhere I don't expect. Mm-hmm. And like you say, the Michael McKean episode was really stunned out. I mean, if you're asking, do I remember all the seasons in great detail? Mm-hmm. No. But it's a clever show that I can't second guess. And and I like it for that. I appreciate it for that. That's every Friday on Netflix. And now, because we know TV, we're going to talk about how wrong we were at the end of last week with those Emmy noms. We didn't do too badly, I don't think. I think we sort of predicted some of the Game of Thrones' wins. Best drama. And we did say best comedy for Fleabag, um, best limited series, Chernobyl. I think we did all right. I think maybe the biggest one where, where you sort of kicked yourself is where you said Jodie Comer won't win, but she should win, and then she did win. But she didn't think she was going to win. No. I mean, if she doesn't think, how am I supposed to know? Oh, my God. I cannot believe I'm in a, a category uh, alongside these women, one of them who is my co-star, Sandra O. Oh. Safe to say, Sandra, that this killing of journey has been an absolute whirlwind. And I feel so lucky to have shared the whole experience with you. And um, my mum and dad were in Liverpool, who I didn't invite because I didn't think this was going to be my time. One, I'm sorry. Two, I love you. I'm going to bring it home. Thank you very much. Uh, Billy Porter winning, we really liked. Uh, who else? What are some other standouts? Patricia Arquette for the act. Yeah. Over Patricia and, Clarkson. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would have been happy with either Patricia winning it. So. Yeah, it and I think we got the, the lead actor and actress in the limited series. We said Jarell Jerome and Michelle Williams. I don't think we did too badly. I think maybe... Predicting as much success for Fleabag as it got was was maybe where, uh, and and maybe the wins for Tony Shalhoub and for Alex Borstein. But generally, what what are your general thoughts? Do you, are you happy with the, with yeah, where it's gone? Basically, yes, yes, I was happy with with the majority of them. I thought, I mean, I would have liked to, to see some Veep Love being at the final season, but mm-hmm. I understand where where the affection is for Fleabag, and I know you haven't. I don't know whether you plan on watching the second season or not, but I, I I certainly didn't plan on watching it and did watch it and really enjoyed it as a result, having thought nothing of the first series, actually. Um, so I can understand that she's really the person of the moment. Um, but on the whole, I mean, I didn't... I have to say, I didn't watch the, the telecast because I thought, what's the point? It was... I skipped, I, I skipped three bits of it. I mean, it didn't have a host this year. It didn't really have a hook. Um, a lot of, I suppose, what a lot of people have picked up on is a, a big sort of contingent of British performers mm. this year. You know, yeah. Jodie Comer and Phoebe Waller-Bridge and um, Jesse Armstrong, Jesse Armstrong, uh, Charlie Brooker, Black Mirror one, uh, the band that, that, that annoyed me. I have to say that annoyed me. That was Why? the only one that annoyed me because Deadwood should have won it, and also it was such an annoying piece of television that I hope they never repeat. 
because it really irritated me. <laughs> and I think it would have irritated you more if you didn't have a guide through it. Yes, I probably. Snatch, yeah. I, I'm still like I don't quite know why Game of Thrones won, apart from it being the last season. Um, if you're looking at that list um, objectively, then either Succession or Pose should have won. But um... absolutely. To be fair, I suppose it's the last time they could. Mm-hmm award Game of Thrones anything and I, I think what they actually did was award it as a series as a whole as opposed to just looking at this final season which divided so many people I think for the most part I was happy when I woke up and, and looked at the results and I think maybe this year wasn't Succession's year but I think next year certainly will be Succession, Euphoria you're hoping Unbelievable will be in there, Big it's Little Lies got to be yeah so many good things that are worthy of of note as i said i reckon russell crowe will get a nomination for yeah i can see it for acting okay (laughs) okay so matt and i have made an executive decision we don't make many of them but you're gonna have to go with us on this no podcast next week now this is because well don't boo me you no podcast next week this is because um i would say it's due to the new format where we choose four shows there aren't four shows next week but there also aren't many continuing ones outside of the good it's a bit of a low low week isn't it i think yeah and we did five shows this week so you know you 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 get you got more than you bargained for yeah and we're still not charging for this against my better judgment so you know you just gotta have be happy with what you've ended up with Thank you to Helen for joining us. If mm. you'd like to get in touch with us, perhaps you'd like to uh, guest on the podcast. I mean, you can. Uh, CustardTVReviews at gmail.com for that. All the at CustardTVPod Twitter feed is, is where you can go to get in touch with us. Or mine at LukeCustardTV or, or Matt for the one time of a month where he looks at Twitter if he happens to spot you. Well, I just, Matt- yeah, argue about the buses, which I'll probably be doing again this week. So. Oh, fun, I'll look out for that. Because <laughs> they're changing um, the timetables. At Matt's TV. But have you got a bus pass? Are you... You, I you have got a bus pass two year old. What's the deal with bus pass? I have got a monthly ticket that is now on my phone, Luke. Contactless payments because it's it's cheaper oh. on your phone than it is buying on the bus. So, so I, you just show your phone when you get on the bus. No, you scan. They've got like a little, you know, like a contactless thing when you get on the bus. So you just scan your your phone. I, I am aware at this point, I do sound like a character out of a succession talking to a poor person about how they use the bus, but I, <laughs> I genuinely didn't know that's how you did it. So you, you scan it, and then... And you're so on. Is it, is it, <laughs> you're on. You're allowed to stay on the bus. Okay, cool. Nice there you go. Know. You learn something new every day. Always and learning. Thanks, thanks to Helen again. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Luke. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. I think that it's programs like this that help people realise that they're not alone. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay, then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing... 
Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off, and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today.